Hello, you're listening to the Heritage Radio Network and our show, We Dig Plants. We're broadcasting from two shipping containers in Bushwick, Brooklyn, located next to Roberta's Pizza at 261 Moore Street. And there is, on top of this container, a garden that produces food for the restaurant. I'm Carmen DeVito. And I'm Alice Marcus-Krieg. We're with Groundworks. We design and build gardens all over New York City. And this show, We Dig Plants, aims to bring the culture to horticulture. Now, on today's show, we're going to be discussing local horticulture and the business of growing plants on a large scale with our special guest, Greg Kyle, one of the proprietors of Otto Kyle Florist in Huntington, Long Island. Greg's going to be up in our business today. And we're going to be in his business. (laughs) Now, on Valentine's Day, you might buy an orchid. Robin, are you listening? Uh, On Easter, you might buy an Easter lily or a potted tulip. On Mother's Day, an azalea or maybe a geranium or petunias for your garden. Now, where do these plants come from? Who grows them, markets them, and gets them to your florist or garden center or deli or bodega on time? Who does that? Well, the interesting answer is that if you're lucky, someone not very far away has sown the seeds, planted the bulbs, or taken that cutting in time for you to have the right plant at the right time. And lucky for us, unlike so many American industries that have been outsourced overseas, the nursery business is still very local. And at the moment, it's still possible for a family-owned business to grow plants less than 50 miles from midtown Manhattan. Today's guest, Greg Kyle from Otto Kyle Florist, is a third-generation grower and wholesaler of fine flowering and foliage plants. In fact, Alice and I have been buying Great plants from their nursery for over a decade. Huntington, Long Island. That's right. And I want to stress, this is for Greg's benefit, that they're wholesale only, so you must have a resale number to buy from them. And Greg's going to share some things about the nursery business from an insider's perspective. Welcome, Greg. Thank you. Hello, Greg. Hello, Alice. Um, So Long Island has a long history as a great agricultural area with good soil and climate and also easy access to New York City's markets. And there are still a few remnants of these traditional industries left, but they've been steadily decreasing as land values have gone up and as our food is increasingly being grown outside the U.S. Um, Long Island also has a long and distinguished tradition as a source for fine ornamental plants with some of the nation's oldest nurseries, such as Hicks Nurseries and Martin Viet still providing wonderful plants for gardeners in the New York City area. And the Kyles are part of that tradition. Greg, can you tell us a little bit about how your family started in the plant business? Well, my, my grandparents left um, uh, Depression-era Germany in the 30s uh, with a hope for a new life to come to, and when it came to this country. And, uh, you know, the Depression there was much worse uh, than the United States. I mean, people were actually starving to death. And the the war reparations and so many, so many of the, 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 uh, the awful things that had happened um, between the two wars forced so many Germans to, to, to emigrate to uh, the United States to seek a new life. And uh, my grandfather had been trained um, as a horticulturist in Germany already, and specifically in greenhouse production. So when he came here, he apprenticed under, oh, several different businesses um, in New Jersey and Long Island and uh, the New York region um, and worked for people and got, got experience. Interesting. And yeah, and then eventually, you know, he saved up enough, enough money and uh, opened several businesses. But since the times were so tough, you know, several of them didn't work out or his partner decided that, you know, only one family could survive on this. And so he, he actually started his first business with uh, Ernie Schneider, 
um, uh, back out in, I think they were in Patchogue uh, in the 30s. And, um, what were they growing the, there? Uh, that, they were, at that time, gosh, probably, probably cut flowers. Because That's a lot right. of cut flowers were still produced on Long uh, Most of cut flowers from New York City were produced on Long Island at that, at that time. Um, which is hard to imagine now because there's virtually no one growing cut flowers for the market of New York anymore um, locally. Um, oh, no. In fact, even in the States, you know, if lo- most of the production that was in California and Florida has, um, has moved to South America. And um, even, you know, I would say probably 50% of our flowers come from Holland or even from Africa. So it's, Yeah, uh, that's right. Alice know. and I had a show about that um, because there's a book called uh, Flower Confidential about the cut flower business. And she talks a lot about that. Um, that it's just pretty much gone. It is, and I, my my grandparents when they you know they when they first moved out to Long Island from Queens because they they had, they had initially started a retail garden center um, in the in the new suburbia of Bayside Queens back in uh, the late 30s early 40s with my uncle mm-hmm. and that's you know, that was Kyle Brothers which is uh, still a still exists and is in, also in its third generation. Mm-hmm. And my grandparents who my, my had always my grandfather's training had been as primarily as a grower. His heart wasn't really in retail. And again, it was difficult because they both had growing families. My, my father, you know, my grandparents had five children, and so did my, my uncle. They, they felt like you know, if there wasn't enough there to support both because it was, it was just the beginning of the country coming out of the Depression. Right. You know, the war had started, and you know, the, um, the machinery of war and the factories and, and building uh, the Levittowns didn't happen until the 19, uh, right after the war in, in the, the late 40s and 50s. Right. So um, there, at that time, it was still sort of the doldrums uh, for the economy uh, uh, locally here on Long Island and the city. So my, my grandfather took you know, what monies that he had uh, acquired, and, and my uncle gave him some to buy him out of his business, and he came out here and started leasing greenhouses from the estate of Otto Kahn. Um, and uh, leasing them for a few years, saving his money, and then he were able to eventually purchase uh, the greenhouses eventually. And we've been in business now almost 70 years out here. It's, it's, it's really it's hard to believe because, you know, I, I was very, I grew up, you know, up, uh, around my grandmother's uh, apron strings and knew my grandfather, ate lunch with him every, every Saturday. And I remember like it was yesterday, so it's mm-hmm. hard to believe 70 years have gone by. I mean, I'm, I'm only 45 years old, but I have such strong memories of them that it seems like um, I, I made part of the journey with them. So it's, it's really, it's really uh, it's a lot for us to be proud of. And, Absolutely. Uh, That's part of why we wanted to have you on the show. Yeah. A lot of businesses don't last one generation, and to have three, It you know, is tough, yeah. The people don't, um, oftentimes, the people can't pay the, the estate taxes. You know, they inherit a business, especially a farm, Sometimes the the, far, the land itself can be worth millions of dollars, even though the family may have no intention of selling it. Um, they they are they're assessed this tremendous tax bill when when right. the when the when the uh, original owner dies. That they that's how so many family farms have, have um, gone under um, have had to be sold, and so many businesses gone under. And that's just to pay those taxes. Yeah, that's the that's the magnificent part about Long Island is that that you know it it basically serves New York City, but you guys have been able to hang on, and that's so remarkable. We have, you know, I, you know, I can remember even as a boy, my father driving me around because all my my father's my father eats, sleeps, drinks, breathes this business. And mm-hmm. We know, even, you know, <laughs> yeah. we know Otto. So you know, even when even when he had a day off, you know, and he was supposed to be like taking his kids to the ball game or whatever, we were always if there was a, a nursery nearby, we were visiting it. And right. I can remember sitting in the car, you know, uh, you know, twiddling my thumbs while my my dad did the rounds of all these small nurseries on Long Island that no longer exist. Right, you know, because they their land became so valuable, they sold it for housing, or the next generation didn't want to do that kind of hard work, labor, you know, yeah, labor intensive. I mean, it's it's really, an, I mean, it's an honest day's work. We, you know, we we are a net 
contributors to the economy. We don't we don't take a lot to do what we do, and we don't we don't um, we're not fiddling with the stock market or or messing with um, you know messing in the mortgage market and, and screwing things up. Our business is based on providing a product grown locally that helps to enhance the lives of the people that live here, and we and we're very proud of that. And you know, we've, of course, you know, everyone has a carbon footprint, but. You know, we're growing things that are taking carbon out of the air, and, and, we, mm-hmm. and we're the, we've always been the essence of sustainability because we've, um, you know, we, we, we live by our, 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 the sweat of our backs and, on, and, our, and, our, and our, our belief in ourselves and our, our positive attitude about um, where this business is going. Right. Tell us some of the highlights and the special um, floral events that you and your family and company have been involved with. Well, let's see. I mean, the, recently um, we supply all the plants to the Macy's Flower Show in the city. Mm-hmm. So when you go there in the spring, we've we've forced all those bulbs, and we've um, you know azaleas and annuals, and uh, we we provide uh, I guess, well, I, probably eighty percent of the plants you see there are either grown or rewholesale to the to the Macy's Flower Show. That's a big market for you every year. It is. A- it, you know, logistically, it's it's a huge pain because you know you have to get the stuff in there middle of the night, and those guys, those guys work so hard. I mean, right. They, they're working there all night long, and then they sleep all day, and that goes on for weeks. So it's it's a really logistically, but you know, also something to be very proud of because they do such a fantastic job. Mm-hmm. And then uh, many of our plants, as you girls know, are used by the parks departments in the city. Uh, uh, almost every major park in the city uh, uses plants that we've grown, and um, many of the beautif- beautification councils in the city we sell a lot to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we sell, of course, a lot of stuff out here on Long Island. Um, we work with many of the towns to help beautify. Um, main streets with uh, hanging baskets and uh, planter boxes, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, Huntington Town, of course, our own hometown. We we, we um, supply all the baskets baskets to hang from the uh, you know the, the the light poles in town, and uh, we do that about twenty different villages here on Long Island and, and upstate New York. And uh, it's it's really you, you when you drive through those towns, you go, wow, I planted those or I grew those. It really makes you feel proud of what, what with what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. Now, your facilities are located on some pretty famous and valuable real estate. Can you talk a little bit? You mentioned it. You touched on it. And Otto well, gave us a special tour. Yeah, the, 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 <laughs> yeah my dad will do yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> All that history. Um, yeah, is, 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 uh, that's second favorite subject after World War II. <laughs> 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 and I guess because Otto Kahn, you know, people, people think is a relative because my grandfather is Otto, my, my father's mm-hmm. Otto, and my little brother's Scott Otto. Right. So they think there's some kind of um, you know, a family um, connection there. But no, they, you know, Otto Kahn um, came from a very distinguished uh, family. Um, he was of Jewish background, but a Christian. I, th- I think he married uh, a Christian lady, and he tried very hard to fit into the Gold Coast uh, sort of waspish society that existed here back that, in the 20s. That West Egg. Yeah. yeah. And they, you know, it, it was a great time because of all the beautiful estates, and everyone thinks about you know, how, how incredible it must have been here before the, the stock market crash. But it was also a very um, uh, racist and mm-hmm. classist society, and he was, he was a victim of that. He was a man who had more money than most of them and had done so many great philanthropic things. He was one of the founders of the Metropolitan Opera, uh, I think Caruso, the first time he sang, was up at the castle here just above us. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a film producer and a, just a, a very important man um, socially and economic, economically for the country. He was also cousins to, a cousin to Robert Moses. Mm-hmm. And, um, yes, and his, his castle um, that he built here was just a summer residence. And when he finished it, it was the biggest, the biggest residence in the United States. And your greenhouses are right on the land. Yeah, the greenhouses were the estate greenhouses that he built in order to supply his um, his home and his and his properties with the latest horticultural plants, mm-hmm. and uh, 
these greenhouses, when you look at them now, they're all still standing, the original houses. Yeah. And with, you know, coats of paint and lots of maintenance. And uh, yeah. I think it's, you know, I think it's mostly paint holding together at this point. <laughs> <laughs> but the, um, you know, we've, we've managed to produce, um, you know, uh, 60 plus years of crops out of them. Yeah. And uh, they're still standing. And um, my brothers and I have a love-hate relationship with them because they, you know, they were a state-of-the-art when my grandfather bought them. I mean, he got them in the 40s. They were only 20 years old or something. So they were still pretty modern by, by today's standards. But um, but when you see the new ones that are available oh now, it, it's, it's... Yeah, yeah. You know, if you go into our place out in Mattituck, like our, our majority of our plant materials are now grown in, in, on the North Fork. Mm-hmm. And we have a modern facility out there, and it's all Dutch, uh, uh, the latest technology Dutch, Dutch glass greenhouses with you know, environmental controls and a heat curtain and you know, great heating system, really efficient. And my brothers and I go out there and go, ah, oh, man... Maybe 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 someone one day will just run amok with a bulldozer and we won't have to worry. <laughs> we'll, we won't have to feel so guilty if we ever ever ever. But I love knocking. them; they're beautiful. They though. are. They, they are. are. And, my, and my father, you know, he just they bring back such nostalgia to him because yeah. he grew up in them. And they've got the old crank windows. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, we actually the cranks are still there, but they are they are electrified now. So. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but they're not. You know, it's so funny when they open. It sounds like you know, the, like a banshee is screaming in the greenhouse because. You know, they, these these uh, old old uh, steel structures were not meant for those uh, those mechanical arms to open them. So people are always like, "God, what that noise!" You know, and it's the windows opening. So right. we <laughs> have been able to adapt them to some modern uses. But um, you know, it's uh, it's it's kind of cool to be working in a place that you know generations of people who worked with plants have worked in, even before my parents, the uh, the old Italian immigrants that worked here. And the knowledge that they brought from the old world was, mm-hmm. uh, and, my, and then my, my, they were still working here. They, several of them stayed and worked for my grandfather, and I remember some of them. You know, the the, uh, the German, Italian, uh, and uh, Northern European immigrants that were here when I was a boy. That, you know, I never saw people work so hard and and be so happy. I mean, that they, I think, because of the hardships they endured in the old country, and they were just so grateful to have a job and an and, opportunity uh, and an opportunity. Mm-hmm. And these, these people, like you talked about, how things have changed. You know, one of those men knew how to gr- knew how to grow like 500 different crops. I right. mean, it could be anywhere from rooting um, uh, azalea cuttings to um, you know to, to um, germinating begonias to collecting seed on a rhododendron. Mm-hmm. I mean, they could do anything. And a lot and of now it's still- like, oh, I'm dirty. Ooh. Uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. We can't. It's it's funny because you know this has always been an entry level job for immigrants, mm-hmm. and people forget that. You know, they 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 kind of tar. The latest immigrant group that's coming in is supplying our um, our, our immigrant labor and our low cost labor. Um, they, they say the same things they said about Germans, Italians, Poles, and and, and the, the latest thing to do is, is this immigrant bashing towards people from Mexico and Central and South America. Right. Um, you know, same story. Right. Exactly, because culturally they're different. They mm-hmm. don't speak English. Right. They're here illegally. Well, right. Italians were. Cons- I'm, I'm from Italy. I was born over there, and I come from right. a farming background. We always talk about this, Greg. And yeah. uh, you know, Italians in America were considered black. You know, oh, so yeah. Yeah. like it was. Yeah. Well, we want to talk about it some more. We have to take a little bit of a break. And um, you're listening to We Dig Plants. When we come back, we're going to get into um, a little bit more with Greg. And now you're going to listen to. Dan Zane's Keep on the Sunny Side. Oh, I love him. There's a dark and a troubled side of mine. There's a bright and a sunny side too. When we meet with darkness and strife, the sunny side we also may view. Keep on the sunny side, always on the sunny side. Keep on the sunny side of life. It will help 
Hi, welcome back to We Dig Plants Heritage Radio Network. Today we've got Greg Kyle of Kyle Nursery um, on the phone. We're talking about Long Island family farming and, and growing histories. So uh, welcome back, Greg. Thank and you. Um, we have a Carmen especially is a big lover of statistics. Yes. And um, <laughs> without giving away trade secrets, can How do you make love to a statistic? <laughs> <laughs> I'll never tell. <laughs> do it by the numbers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, can you tell us how many plants you grow in a year and any other interesting numbers you'd like to share with us? Yeah, on my Besides 69. Are- <laughs> 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 well, we, I mean... Gosh, we, we grow approximately, um, but I mean, the big numbers, because there's a lot of crops where we grow like, you know, 5,000, 6,000, 4,000 of this, um, and that's all we grow, so I won't bore you with those. But the big numbers would be spring, and uh, we grow about uh, uh, one and a half million four-inch annuals. Wow. We grow about 60,000 hanging baskets. Wow. And then the other big crops, we grow maybe 40,000 poinsettias, 20,000 Easter lilies, and then in the fall... We grow about 100,000 uh, mums and cabbage and kale total. And wow. who basically buys these? I mean, other than me and Carmen. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, we're a really important Open part. Open up your pocketbooks, girls, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, pri- I would say the biggest end, u- end user for me would be uh, garden centers. Okay. So they would, they would take probably, you know, a good 60% of what I grow. Um, and that's in holiday plants, too. I mean, uh, and then I would say after that, um, landscapers would be the next bigger number. Mm-hmm. And then probably the smallest number would be the florists. Mm-hmm. Um, it used to be flipped around. When my grandparents first started this business, most of what they were producing was going to florists and uh, people, you know, going after um, uh, the trade at the, at the uh, cemeteries and uh, funeral homes. And, and churches. Um, wet churches, weddings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but that's changed a lot. I mean, especially our florists have had a real tough time dealing with um, the onslaught of competition from, you know, supermarkets especially because of the convenience and the cost. Right. And um, Costco, I mean, you see how cheap the roses are when you go down the aisle in Costco. I right. Mean, and they're good quality. They're buying them directly from, uh, from South America. Right. So, y- um, so you're talking, we were going to ask you about that, how the business has evolved. You started out selling to florists. We did, yeah. When, now... when, my, grand- when my grandparents first started this business, it was primarily cut flowers. Oh. And then, you know, uh, quickly, I would say within, you know, 10, 15 years, they started to see the handwriting on the wall and decided, you know, there's no, there's not enough profit margin in this because, you know, they just, stuff was coming in from Florida, from California, um, and they couldn't compete with them on quality, but the cost was so much cheaper. Mm-hmm. You know, they had cheaper labor, cheaper land, everything. Less overhead, right. Yeah, less overhead. So my grandparents started, you know, moving towards, you know, value-added products like, you know, potted mums and uh, poinsettias and Easter lilies and started dabbling in, in annuals. You know, suburbanization had just reached that part of Suffolk County by the end of the 1950s. Exactly. And people started needing, they wanted to beautify their homes. They wanted to buy, you know, wanted to buy annuals to put around the mailbox and, mm-hmm. and geraniums put in the window box. Mm-hmm. And so the, you had the starting of um, new nurseries. Like, like you had mentioned, Hicks and Viets were already here. But, um, you know, all the, um, the immigrants that had, that had come to this country and had worked for people like my grandfather early in the 40s, many of them had started their own businesses now and were going after the landscaping trade and uh, the, the consumer trade and, uh, and annuals, perennials, and shrubs. Mm-hmm. And my grandparents started growing more of those annuals to supply that. And, you know, over a span, say, from the 1960s till now, you know, where, where annuals were maybe 20% of the growth, now annuals are probably 80 to 90% of what we grow, you know, and then... All the holiday plants, the potted plants, those crops that we that we do 
when um, when we're not selling annuals, only represent maybe uh, you know ten twenty percent of our gross. Right. You know, it, so it's 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 very funny how it's flipped around. It's really fun um, when Carmen and I go out. You know, it's it's May and we're like scrambling to get our annuals and what we need for our clients. But you go out to to your nursery and we just end up bumping into all of our competitors yes. who are our friends. <laughs> and it kind of is like a little party out there. You well, know? yeah. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, if, fighting if for like the... You, when everybody's mean, treating each other nicely. <laughs> they are, yeah. I guess yeah, it's like a party because I, I don't get any sleep and I feel like I'm hungover. Yeah. <laughs> for the entire yeah. month of May. Well, because you're drinking. No. I'm yeah, kidding. right. Oh, no, I could drive it to that. But, you know, the, with the hour... You know, it, it, the, 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 band, the only downside to all the business being so uh, concentrated in spring like we make we probably make uh, 80% of our income between the months of March and July right well we and, can relate and, to and that, that Greg yeah <laughs> and of that of that 80% I would say maybe 90% of that 80% is in May uh-huh. you know so it's really wow. all about spring and that's why last June with the weather it was it was such a disaster for people. days of rain. Oh, my God! Yeah. You know, I had we were doing fine. I mean, May was May was just perfect for. I mean, we 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 was what we expected for being how the, how what the shape the the, uh, the economy was in. Mm-hmm. And we had sold all this material at the beginning of June, and we were anticipating June being okay, but the rain just wouldn't let up. Right. And I have so many customers, um, 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 you know, that are that. You know, I've never recovered from that. They, you know, some people that are having trouble paying bills from from last June, right? And through no fault of their own. I mean, customers right. I've known for for thirty, forty years are are telling me, Greg, you know, um, I'll get you that in March or April when yeah. I get more income. The market is down. Right. It has been very. Well, the tough. weather is definitely a challenge. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the other challenges that you're facing now? That you know, twenty first century grower. What 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 are the challenges now for you as a grower? You know, I I would say one of the biggest things is probably. Um, Labor, you know, um, from you know the, uh, the the backlash against immigrant labor to um, the attempts by our legislature to push through unionization of, of farm laborers, which right. is really and it's, it's, not, it's low on the radar. It's a low, It's not a big thing of concern for most people because they don't know what's going on. No, it's but they're trying to force we've got through our these eyes laws. On, yeah. They are trying to force through laws in Albany that are completely unnecessary. Our current labor laws protect farm workers very well, and the really odious part of it is they want to force overtime pay. Um, on farmers, and you know how I, like I just told you, I work seven days a week, sixteen hours a day for two and a half months straight, mm-hmm. and you know I have to. I, that's the only time that that business is available, and I have to get those crops picked and out the door in order to survive. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing with dirt farmers, guys who are growing potatoes and corn and everything else. When those crops are ready, they have got to be harvested. You can't mm-hmm. leave perishable crops sitting in, in the trees or bushes or in the, or in the ground right. when they're ready to be picked. That's not so when you take a vacation. <laughs> exactly. They have to be picked on overtime. Right. And if you force a farmer then to pay all of his laborers time and a half for, for the, the entire growing season, which is what it would end up being, um, they, would go, they can't make a profit. You'll, you'll find far, farms closing um, you know, in their droves. Much, yeah. much, and it's already a hard business. It's mm-hmm. already a, a, a business of, of margins and a business of... Oh, very of, small of margins. You're, you're in it because you love it, not because you're making a lot of money. At mm-hmm. it, you know? Especially guys doing dairy and, and, and apple picking upstate. I mean, it's, it's a really... It's a, being a farmer is a very, very difficult um, occupation and one that... that, that, that you know that people just kind of take it for granted. You know, they 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 see low food prices at the supermarket, and that's all they're that's all they're concerned about. You know, and if if they had to, if they got rid of, if we had to get all those farmers had to stop farming or get rid of all their laborers because they couldn't afford them, or on the flip side had to get rid of their laborers because um you know the the immigration raided their place and found out that um that they their their papers weren't in order. 
um, you would find our, our, our food prices skyrocketing. I yeah. Mean, you can and people want to buy local. They want to buy local, but it is a fine line. If you do, you know, the issue of unions and things like that. Yeah, and, and Carmen, they want to buy local, um, but they, um, they don't understand that, um, that the only, re- only way they can do that is if we have a labor force that we can count on. And yes. I, can't, I can't get children coming out of my local schools here, even kids who, just, who, who didn't graduate high school or kids who don't want to go to college, to work in a greenhouse. They don't no. want to. No, they don't no want it's, to. it's too hot and sticky and dirty, yeah. and they'd rather City. work in the mall, yeah. you know, selling sneakers <laughs> to somebody. You're right. You know? No, it's absolutely, you can't even get a kid to mow, you know, some of our clients who want lawns, I'm like, who's going to mow that? If you're not going to do it, you're not going to find someone to mow it in the city. No, In the suburbs, it. you'll find someone, but where, who's going to mow that lawn? No, right. yeah, nobody, nobody. And, and I can't, you know, I, this is, like I told you at the beginning, this is only, this has always been an entry-level job for immigrants, you know? Yes. I don't want my employees, I mean, I, I would prefer that my, my employees were here for a lifetime, but I'm happy when, you know, like, they go to night school and they get a degree and they move on to something else, or maybe they open their own landscaping thing, or maybe they, maybe they open their own greenhouse operation. We've had a couple of employees do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but re- the reality is that a lot of people who immigrate to this country their education level and their language skills only allow them to t- take on jobs like this, and we need them. Yes, you know, yes. I, I can't. If I had to pay um, uh, the, the, the wages that would be demanded by someone with who's who's, uh, uh, who's got a college degree, I, I, you can't. I, I would have to close. Right. You know, I, and that's what that's what a lot of people don't understand that when they immigrant bash, they're basically saying you you kissing goodbye. Um, all those, all those things you take for granted. You know the the, the, the cheap uh, food you get, services, the, right? The, yeah, all the services. And the, the, the guy services that mows, the guy that mows your lawn, the guy that, that makes your patio, the la- the carpenter, your laundry, all yeah, all of it. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about the process of growing um, from start to finish a typical florist plant, like for instance poinsettia, for which you're well known. Okay, a poinsettias um, are a long crop. They we they, the, the stock plants themselves come in. Well, in the middle of spring, they show up in May, which is a huge pain for us, but they, um, they come in and we get them from, you know, places as far afield as like Israel, or South America, and, um, and California. And, um, you know, there's all these different varieties and new stuff coming out all the time, so we try to always have the, you know, some of the latest new varieties and try them. The hot, hot new colors, Greg? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny. It's so hard to get excited about a crop that we, we kind of uh, kicking and screaming doing this crop because... Well, you can see um, the poinsettias are, are available for sale everywhere at, at Christmas time. But and they're I, not I, as nice as yours. No, we grow. We grow I would, I, I'm not exaggerating. We grow the best poinsettia on Long Island, mm-hmm. and I don't think we're. I don't think I'm exaggerating. No, um, I, I can vouch for that. It, but it's it's difficult because we, the the price that we get for a poinsettia has not changed in probably a decade, and we're grossing wow. out of a, grossing out of a greenhouse the same I did back in the 1970s. Wow! But it's you know it's a crop we've always counted on to keep my employees busy. Mm-hmm. You know, if That's I didn't true. grow that crop, I'd have to. I'd, I would have to get rid of everybody in, in October when right. small business was over. You'd be whistling dis- Dixie. Well, yeah, but how would I replace those those trained workers in the spring? Exactly. So it's, right. It's this calculus you make. Okay, can I can I grow a crop at a loss just to keep my my employees busy and keep in contact with my customers and maybe you know sell some other stuff along with the point set is to just to keep money moving. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's that's what we've been doing for the past decade or so ever ever since the chain stores 
kind of um, depress the market so badly on them. Uh, on pricing. On pricing. And they've sort of commoditized poinsettias. It's like pork bellies now, you know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know po- poinsettias used to be something that, uh, that people used to cherish. It you know, was they, exotic. And, it was, right. yeah. It was, ooh, cool, beautiful red, you know. And they put, put it on a table at Christmas time and go, ooh, ha, how, look how beautiful it is. Right. And we were proud to do that, proud to grow it. Mm-hmm. But now it's like it's just another Christmas decoration. Yada, you know, yada, with, uh, yada, right. And it's disposable, like a <laughs> exactly. lot of seasonal plants. So pe- my, yeah, right. my mother's like one of the few people, you know, of her, her generation. She tries to bring it back, and I'm like, "Oh, just give up, mom. It's not going to work." <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? The, you know how people people come into me like in um, in, uh, in in November, like um, you know people who should know better, like people my, my friends of my father's, something like that. I said, "Greg, my point said it didn't reflower. What did I do wrong?" I said, "Well, okay, did you put it under short days? What does that mean? Well, I mean, did you keep light from uh, you know it, it getting unnatural sources of light after you know four o'clock?" She goes, "Well, I, yeah, I put it in my closet." And you, so, okay, you put it in your closet every night? He goes, no, I put it in a closet, left it there. You know? <laughs> and where's so, the dog? <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. Have you checked your kids recently, you know? So it's so funny because they take a little bit of information. You know, someone told, someone told them, yeah, put it in the closet. Well, they meant put it in the closet every night so it's not getting, you know, the light from your lamp. Right, you're slowly it acclimating it. Yeah. Right, exactly. so, 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 but I've got to say, it keeps, it keeps uh, people coming back to buy poinsettias every year. So... <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so you know, we we take the cuttings in the summertime and we root them through the summer, and they're very they're very tough to root. A poinsettia has to be under constant mist for like six weeks, and then they very grudgingly put roots out, mm-hmm. and they're susceptible to several diseases through that whole process. So it's a very you know um, tenuous time. You have to be careful. You have a power outage and a mist goes off. You can burn all your cuttings in a, you know in one hour. So it's a very you know, we make we make sure that um, you know someone's on call all the time. Generators are working, and wow. And then we, we root them out once they're rooted. Poinsettia manager. <laughs> What's that? A poinsettia manager. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, I, I I remember doing it when I was a kid, and just mm-hmm. you know, running around every greenhouse, making sure all the, all our little babies were perfect. And mm-hmm. it is, it's like it's like running a nursery school because you know one greenhouse has got plants that are all wilting, one's one's got greenhouse that's plants are half rooted. Right. And going, it's, it's, it's idiosyncratic, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, so we do that till about. Um, End of July, take cuttings and rooting them, and then uh, by middle of November they're showing color, and we start selling them the week before Thanksgiving, and then you know hopefully they're all gone on December the twenty sixth. Exactly. <laughs> Unfortunately, we just have one question left. We're okay. running out of time. So, Carmen, do you? Well, what I'd like to know is um, how can shoppers support local businesses such as yours? What choices can they make as consumers that will help keep horticulture local and 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 sustained in our area? Well, I would say, you know, it, if you can purchase from uh, family-owned and operated nurseries, garden centers, um, if you can buy from farmers markets, if you, go to, if you have the wherewithal to get to the farm stands themselves, if you can uh, go to your local florist instead of, instead of picking your flowers up at, um, you know, when you're in the Costco or at, at the grocery store, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't want to, you know, b- badmouth other, other suppliers of plants, but... Mm-hmm. If you want the best quality and you want your, your money to stay in your local community, what better way than to buy from a person who lives right there and who's, who's buying from other people that are, are, are in, the, in the area. And I think that's the best. You know, you're, if you're buying from a, a large uh, chain store, th- those monies are going to somewhere where, they're, where they're, their main office is, and it's not, that money's not being reinjected back into the local community. Whereas right. if you buy from me, I, I, I give, if I have a good season, I give bonuses and wages to my, my, my 60 employees, and then they, they buy homes on Long Island, and they spend their money on Long Island, and they, they go into the city and go see a show, and, and it, it, that money gets all spent right here within this, in this region. Exactly. And, you know, and, and if you want the, the I have to, you know, we're, 
if you buy from them, you're going to see a difference in, in quality and the way oh, things yeah. are grown. You yeah. may pay a little more. I mean, the, 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 the um, sort of the image now is that, you know, the, um, these family-run nurseries and florists are too expensive. Well, that's really not true. I've, I've done a lot of price comparisons, especially at the Home Depot and other places, and, yeah, there may be a slight smaller, cheaper price there, but for what you get, I mean, I, I oftentimes walk to Home Depot and shaking my head looking at all the dead plants or plants on the way to the, right. on the, way to the compost heap. That have been kicked around and, and yeah. not even watered in a and, truck. Yeah, and the nursery, yeah. too, you know, and, 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 you know, so many shrubs there that they look half dead. And people, people have, them, have them in their carts going up to the cash register, and I'm like, oh, God. You know? Yeah, good luck and with a, that. a family-run nursery would never allow that to happen. They right. wouldn't let a person buy a shrub that was going to die because it's going to come back to them. And they're going to go right talk to, right to the owner and um, expect him to replace it. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and uh, the whole that whole um, commoditization of our materials that are are perishable, it was a bad idea right from the start. And I think you know that um, that that was the it's not a great match just to sell um, live plants through a store whose only only motive is uh, is profit. Right. You know that that's that's the bottom line. Right. And and you can't you, it's not nuts and bolts. You know, if you want to buy nuts and bolts, I say go to the Home Depot. If, oh, if I agree. To, I go to wanna, the Home Depot. Yeah, sure. I, I do too. Right. But I I would not. I would not go there to buy my plants. You know, no, I, right. you, know, you, you know that's that's just my and and, and of course I'm biased. I'm a grower. You mm-hmm. know, and and um, I sell to you know mostly family-owned nurseries here on Long Island and uh, Westchester and uh, the city, and um, that's why I, w- I want people to support them so that uh, you know those those businesses continue to thrive, and that farming on Long Island uh, is here in another you know another sixty, hundred, two hundred years, and know? that there's a fourth generation, Kyle. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yes, yeah, so yeah. I know you guys are working on that with auto support, full support. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, not right now. <laughs> right. I well, Otto talked about that as well, but that's another discussion. Yeah, well, my, my, my father had nine children, so, you right. know, the we're all slackers. Talk about cheap labor, Greg. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, the, free labor. Cheap about it. That's my mother. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, Greg, we're so glad you could be on our show today. Of course, we have so many more questions, but we don't, we've run out of time. So our message to our listeners, if you want good plants and you know healthier plants, buy local. It'll support an industry that is a fundamental part of our American heritage. Um, Alice and I will be posting some great local nurseries for you to visit this season in the New York City area, as well as some favorites in other parts of the country. We want to thank you for listening to We Dig Plants on the Heritage Radio Network. And, of course, the show will be available for listening via archive at heritageradionetwork.com and also via podcast. We'd like to thank Jack Inslee for producing and Nat Wiener for engineering today's show. And, of course, to Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick, in Brooklyn. Um, we'll see you in the garden. Thanks for listening. Happy gardening. Happy gardening.